As a church, we are making our way through the book of Psalms, uh, looking at different kinds of Psalms and, and the way that they can help us, uh, wisdom Psalms, Psalms of, of praise, uh, complaint Psalms, so you know how to complain better, um, Psalms of trust. Uh, and my hope is that they become your friend and they help you to kind of uh, sometimes find a way to express the emotions, the feelings uh, that you have uh, that sometimes don't easily come. I remember uh, a few years ago, my mom had bowel cancer, and um, she, the pastor came over and, and visited, and, uh, and he, said, he said to her, you know, how is your soul? And, uh, which is maybe not the way we would talk, but uh, it was the way that he entered it. And my mother said, it, it is, it's well. It's well with my soul. And I don't know if you get that connection, but it's actually in the song that we sang, um, When Peace Like a River. And, and what, what that song did for my mother, who probably has sung that song for 50, 55, 60 years, is that reality, that the words over time washed into her soul so that when trouble did come, which the song, which the song talks about, she knew where to have her heart set on so that she could say, it is well with my soul. And, and that's really what this hymn book, the Psalms, is all about. It's about singing and reflecting so that when those moments come, and they will come, we know where our heart is anchored. We know where our hope really is. Uh, and we have a resource from which we can draw from in our lives. Last week we talked about Psalm 23, and, and uh, most is probably the best known psalm. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, it starts out with. And uh, I encouraged you in that process uh, to not just think about the fact that the Lord is your shepherd, but David talks about then how God is a shepherd to him. And then to take that and to say and make it your own, because for some of you, the, the whole idea of the Lord is my shepherd is, is a wonderful image. For some of you, kind of go, eh, it doesn't really work. Okay. Then, then answer the question, the Lord is my What? And then answer down, what does that mean in my life? And the, here's the reason why we do that and why I encourage you to do that is because then when the hard times come, and they will come, when the challenges arrive, when the pain hits, you will have had an experience with God in which you have thought about and reflected on and prayed over so that you can say, but this is who the Lord is even as I go through this. And it will hold you up when everything else is pulling you apart. When we have that trust because we have experienced God and we've thought about who He is, then we're ready, no matter what. Today, we're going to look at Psalm 46. And uh, this psalm is, is one that, is, as a pastor, to be very honest, I, I've used quite frequently. Um, oftentimes, uh, you get a call uh, in the middle of the night or sometime during the day when you're doing other things you're not expected and someone is in the hospital or there's been an accident um, and you go and you talk with the family or you go and talk with the person in the hospital. And to be very honest, um, you know, you, you know walking in, you're not up to the task. You don't bring anything that can fix or make it all right or, or help in this situation. But I found this psalm to be a wonderful powerful psalm for people to reflect on and for me to remember. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when the earth quakes 
or when the mountains crumble into the sea, or when the oceans foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. You know, the reality of this psalm talks about that when all of life falls apart, when the earthquakes or the tsunamis of our lives happen, who is God? He is a refuge. He is strength. And He is always there and ready to help in times of trouble. You know, the reality is, as we go through life, the psalmist here says you can have an incredible confidence in God and God's ability to meet you exactly where you are with what you experience. With Him, you can conquer any disaster. Even in death, it's not the end. But without Him, even the smallest of disaster can wipe you out and destroy you. It can be a disaster in your work. It can be a disaster in your relationships. It can be all kinds. It can be health. It can destroy you. Who is this God? It's, it's well put here at the beginning of the psalm. Um, God is our refuge. He's our strength. He is always ready to help in times of trouble. The idea of refuge here is He's your defense. He's the place you can run and hide and be safe. The place where you know when you go that nothing can touch you apart from what is allowed and what will ultimately strengthen you and make you more into the person that God wants you to be. It doesn't mean pain can't come there, but it comes through the, through the protection of God, that He is one that we can go to to safety, where we can retreat when we're overwhelmed. And I think every person actually has a refuge. But for many of us, it's not God. And for many people, it's not God at all. That refuge may be a bottle. You know, it may be sensuality. It may be power. It may be making sure other people know where they are in relationship to us. But we have a refuge. The only question is, is is it a safe refuge for us and for other people? Or does it ultimately destroy us And oftentimes the people around us either that we care for and that we love the most or the people that we are in a responsible role to care for. But here it says, God is your refuge. And it raises the question, what is our refuge? Where do we run when we don't know what to do? To God, to something else, to someone else. The second part says that God is our strength. He, in a sense, there's a defensive refuge, but then there's the offense. God is our strength. There is no one who can give us power like God to persevere and to be victorious and to, to move forward in the midst of difficulties and trials. God is strong, and therefore when He is with us, when we are doing what He wants, then we have His strength as well. We can move forward, even though the odds may not look good for us. In the same way as there's all kinds of different refuges, there's all kinds of different places we get our strength from, isn't there? You know, We can get our strength from what other people think about us. We can get our strength uh, from our position, you know, or our physical ability. But it says here, God is a strength who doesn't diminish, who is always up to the task. He is always ready to help in times of trouble. He's always there. I have to say that one of the reasons that a long time ago I put my faith in God 
when I prayed. And it wasn't a pretty prayer. It wasn't a prearranged prayer. But the reality is I knew that God would always be there in a way that no other person ever could be. And I wanted that. That He could take the place that no person, no matter how much they wanted to, whether it was my parents or someone else, wanted to be there. They just couldn't. They're just human beings. But God knew me and loved me and that He would always be there, He promised. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Some people are just around for the good times. God is around all the time. And because this is who God is, then this surprising refrain comes. It says, we will not fear. Now, I don't know about you, but I I get afraid of a lot of different things. (laughs) And I can think about who God is, and then something happens, and I I get afraid. And and my guess is what is happening is is the psalmist is saying here, you know, when, when, when I think about these things, God, this is who you are. I don't have to be afraid. But I bet with the same person that wrote this, when things happen, when the earth crumbles, they got afraid until they reminded themselves, wait a second, God's a refuge, God's a strength. I don't, even though I'm fearing, I don't have to fear. Because I don't think there's kind of this supernatural, you become a Christian, you never ever have a fear again. I just think you now have a place to take your fear. You have one that you know is strong enough to hold and protect, a refuge for you wherever you are. Because of who God is, we can respond, ultimately choose to respond in a countercultural and differently than our human nature wants and say, no, I don't have to fear. Because even if I die, for me that's victory. Because of the relationship that I have with God. And even if I'm injured, you know, I'm not put up on the shelf of life. God's got something else for me to do that I can do better like this than I could have the other way around. Because of who God is, I can have an incredible confidence to move forward in life. The imagery here is not just of something small happening in your life, but it's an earthquake. It's when the mountains crumble into the sea. That's an imagery. Just fall to pieces. And when then the ocean roars and foams and would take everything under, when you you just look at these images as, as big, huge things that as a human being you can't stop. But he says when those things happen, whether they be literal or figurative, because I know who God is, my refuge, my strength, the one who is always there in times of trouble, I don't have to fear. That's an amazing thing. And when you have that kind of confidence, then the difficult things that the world and life will throw at you, which will happen, by the way, you can stand up to. You have a place to go hide from them. You have one who can lead you out through victory and strength, even though it may feel at different times like defeat. The, the imagery of this psalm is, is telling us you don't have to fear because you know with the same God who made everything with His Word will one day melt everything and, st- and renew everything with, with the Word. That's how big God is. It just didn't happen. He, he spoke it and when it finishes, it will finish on time. It will finish in His way. You don't have to be shocked. And you are His people. 
So it's okay. You can have confidence. He made the mountains. He made the seas. He made the tectonic plates underneath all those things. And the Creator is in the midst of all things, even in the midst of the chaos. Now, I don't think that this psalm is trying to say that every act of earthquake or tsunami or whatever, God does. I believe that the Scriptures teach that the world is a broken place. And because it's a broken place, because we broke it, things happen. And they're bad and they're wrong. But I think there's a confidence here that even no matter what happens, I can have a confidence in God. Even in death. Even in injury. It doesn't mean that I'm protected no matter what. But it means that God is with me no matter what. And that I will have victory in what ultimately matters, even if it doesn't look like it in this world. He is the one, it says in verse 8, who will bring all things to an end. No one can stop the world. No one you know, can keep it from ending. No one can, can bring it into beginning. It belongs to God. The start, the middle, the finish. All is guided by our God, this says. The one who is our refuge and our strength. His, world, his word made it. And His world, word in the same way will bring it to an end. But it goes on and talks about that not just the world isn't just our enemy. It's not just the natural world that it sometimes is an enemy to us. There's also real physical human enemies. There's nations and people as well. And God promises that He will bring ultimately war and their causes to an end. That the evil we see around us that happens to us and to other people, that one day God will bring that as well to an end. The imagery here is that he looks at those who are making war ultimately against his cause and his people, and he says, I will break their spears. I will burn their shields. Their power to fight is nothing in comparison to my power to protect. It speaks of God's strength. It talks about an outcome, an outcome of peace. It talks about his process. His process is justice for all the nations. And it says the final outcome is the realization of God's greatness. That how great and wonderful and amazing He is. It's why it, it says um, it says later in the psalm. Uh, it says, "Let all let be still and know that I am God. I will be honored in every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. His greatness will bring a silence, an awe." a realization that even nations with their strength are nothing in comparison to the strength of God. So we don't need to fear even when things fall apart around us because His justice that leads to peace is coming and it's in process. The word here, he actually uses an interesting word. It says, come and see. And it's the same words that he would say to the prophets in the Old Testament. He would say, I'm going to show you something that will happen in the future so that you can have hope in the presence. And so he says, all of this will be made right. All of the evil of humanity that wars against what God says is right will be stopped. All the evil perpetrated on people will one day be brought to justice. Therefore, He is our refuge and our strength. He is the one that we can hold on to. 
An example of this is found in, in the book of Habakkuk, and uh, probably one that you don't read all the time for your devotions. Um, it's one of the prophets. And I'll just give you a little summary of, of the book to give you a sense of, of what happens. Habakkuk is one of the prophets, and he sees around him the injustice of God's people. People who don't do what God says. These are God's people, and yet they disobey. And so he, he says to God, God, why? God, come and bring justice. God, fix this. And God responds. He says, I'm coming. I will fix it. And I'm going to bring in this nation, this, this nation who doesn't believe in me, who doesn't honor me, who doesn't live by my ways, and I'm going to bring justice to my people to deal with their evil. And Habakkuk goes, what? You know, you take someone more wicked than we to, to make us right, to, to fix us? You, you, how can you do that, God? And yet God says, that's my plan. That's my purpose. That's just how I'll do it. He says, all evil will be dealt with. My people first. And also then the nation who is more evil than my people, they will be dealt with as well. And as you can imagine, for the prophet, this is a real struggle. See, this is a prophet that knew Psalm 46. That talked about this city being protected. This city that could never be taken over. Now this is the city that God says, I'm going to bring my judgment because they have walked away from me. They have not kept their, their commitment to me. The covenant. They have treated me as if I'm nothing. And if I let that happen, they will lose me completely. And Habakkuk, as he settles into this reality that God is going to bring peace and justice, but in a way that he didn't expect or want, he says this at the end of the book, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Which, by the way, just translated means the grass is, is brown. The houses are falling down. There's no money in my bank account. There's no food in my shelves. My car doesn't work. My 401k or whatever in my retirement system and the government isn't around to help. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. See, he read Psalm 46. He makes me surrounded as a deer, able to tread upon... Or he makes me sure-footed as a deer and able to tread on the heights. You know, this... Habakkuk had an incredible confidence in God's sovereign rule over all things. Even the hard things, even the bad things. He knew God to be that refuge, that strength, that one who is there even when trouble is all around and the earth and the world shakes. God is our future. And if we have a relationship with Him, our future is secure because He is ultimately going to bring rightness and goodness and wholeness out of this world and out of us. Which is quite a feat, isn't it? When you look into your own heart and you know who you really are. And yet there's more to this image. There's a second image here of, that we passed over of this, this city. 
the city with a river, the city um, that is the sacred city that is God's home. And in fact, we find this city in another place in the Scriptures. Right at the end of the Scriptures, in Revelation chapter 21 and, and chapter, uh, chapter 22, verse 5, it goes like this. It says, And I saw in the city, I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need for sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb walks in its light. The nations will walk in, the light, in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all of their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there will be no night there. And all the nations will bring the, their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry or dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And when the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, it flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month, the leaves were used for the medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and His servants will worship Him. And they will see His face, and His name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. There will be no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. That city that was talked about in Psalm 46, in which all things can fall away and be broken into pieces. But this city will stand as not a physical city of Jerusalem today, but as the city that is talked about here. That ultimately from that source, the healing of the nations, and as you heard read there, the glory, all the nations will acknowledge, as God said in in Psalm 46, His greatness and His glory and will come and worship. They will not war anymore because they will have found one to lead to whom they can submit and to whom they can say, God, you are our our refuge. You are our strength. You are our help in all of our troubles. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we admit that so often we don't have very much confidence. Or at times we are confident in the wrong things. And ultimately, our confidence is shown shown to be shallow. We thank you that the psalm points us back to the place where we can have confidence. Not arrogance, but a sense of both a refuge to hide and strength to move forward. Someone to call on when things fall apart. Someone whom we can trust, that not only our life is safe, but your plans will progress, even through us. Thank you that you give us an image in this psalm of who you are. You give us a reality of the brokenness of this world, the earthquakes in our lives personally, and in reality. And that you remind us of the important things, your greatness the appropriate silence that we have as we stand before you and see who you are in awe and the comfort and confidence of who you are. 
Lead us into an understanding of this. Lead us to live this way because this is who you are. Lead us to that city, Lord, that will ultimately be there where all the nations will find their hope and their rest. And all people will say this. This is what I longed for. This is what I sought. May they find you. Lead us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.